welcome to the eDiscovery Basecamp with Steve and Jack, where we cover all things eDiscovery and beyond. Tune in each week for a new episode featuring hot eDiscovery topics, amazing guests, and several other surprises. Let's adventure together. Okay. Well, welcome, everybody. This is another session of eDiscovery Basecamp. I'm Steve. And I'm Jack. Uh, we're glad to have you with us, and uh, this is a special podcast because it is our 10th anniversary. <laughs> now you're saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, you guys haven't been on the air for 10 years. Well, that's true, but it's uh, our 10th podcast, so we're embellishing a little bit, exaggerating, 10th mm -hmm. anniversary mm -hmm. nonetheless. Yep, we've made it to podcast number 10. It's pretty great, you know, it's a good good milestone there but we thought that we would shift gears a little bit we've been talking a lot about you know business work character development all these concepts and we had an episode a few weeks back that focused on minnesota and some of the things that make minnesota a wonderful place to live so we thought we would continue on that stream and take this 10th episode celebration and talk a little bit about some experiences that we've had in minnesota there's a lot lot to be seen here. Uh, a lot of it is woods. A lot of it is uh, large bodies of water. And there's a lot of impressive wildlife around here. So I think, Steve, you have a story, a pretty exhilarating story. I do have a story, Jack. This dates back uh, several years. Um, I love the fact that you teed up Minnesota because the story really took place in Wisconsin. Oh, well. Okay, so great. for all of those who are <laughs> tuning out at this very moment, just by the mention of that, that word, um, I'm sorry. But for those that are hanging on, uh, I'm going to tell a story about a, uh, a trip that I had as a young lad. I was uh, 18, 19 years old, and I was a river guide for a YMCA camp in, in Amory, Wisconsin. It was Camp Icagoan. Uh, it, it was kind of very much a fluke that I became a river guide that summer. How, 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 did, it, how did that happen? <laughs> well, um, it's centered around bears. Really? It, it actually did. So here's, here's the story. As I was a uh, new counselor, just a cabin counselor, um, probably in my second year, I believe, uh, maybe third year, uh, but in any event, I um, there was a, a a group of river river guides that had been working for the camp, and one of the teams or one of the groups got into a little bit of a problem with a bear on their trip. What kind of a problem? Well, uh, they were in a location that was, you know, heavily trafficked by uh, uh, canoeists, canoers, canoeists, canoers, what's the word? Connoisseurs, not <laughs> Yeah, people who, who go canoeing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, campers, how about that? Campers. We'll, we'll go with campers, yeah. You know, and you can be, um, I, I, the story is going to tell you that this is the genesis of my learning about bears and how to uh properly uh, deal with bears and manage them so that you don't become food 
or a victim to a bear. Right. So, you know, long story short, there was a river guide uh, ahead of me, my predecessor, that threatened a bear. And I, I'm not sure if he was sober at the time. <laughs> there were some, some rumors about that, but uh, nothing confirmed. No names, so I'm not, I'm not even going to attach a, a false rumor or an unconfirmed rumor to uh, an innocent, nameless person. But in any event, he uh, threatened the bear with a flaming log from a fire. Classic. If you're going to threaten a bear. In, in fr- right. In front of, uh, you know, his co-counselor, his co-river guide, and 12 to 13 young men uh, about that age, 13 years old. And, uh, you know, the camp counselor got wind of this and immediately fired the guy. And shortly thereafter, he called me over to his... Uh, headquarters or to his cabin I thought I was in trouble and he asked me if I wanted wanted to become a river guide Mm. and of course I did because it was kind of the premier position at the camp it was a thing that all the counselors sought after I was you know strangely selected but in any event um, I said yes and I got trained I I had been a uh, an amateur canoeist there's that word again Mm-hmm. Up until that point, and I really wasn't, uh, you know, that that familiar. I wasn't uncomfortable in a canoe, but I wasn't mm-hmm. uh, certainly wasn't familiar with whitewater canoeing. Yeah. Uh, but I became whitewater certified that summer as a part of the process, so that was that was kind of cool. So yeah. the um, let me just sketch out the trip here, so we won't go into too many details, but. Uh, it was a 110-mile, two-week canoe trip down the Flambeau River. Okay. We started in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin, which is um, uh, known as the flowage portion of the Flambeau or the beginning of the flowage. Mm. So it's a big kind of lazy, wide, easy paddling section of the river. Okay. As long as there isn't a lot of wind and storms around. Um and there's a couple of key spots along the Flambeau. And the Flambeau is known for its white water. It's known to be one of the best canoeing rivers in Wisconsin. And mm. Wisconsin's got a lot of them. Um, there, the, the white water is quite a ways down the river. I, I don't remember exactly, but let's say 90, to 90 miles down the river from Turtle Lake. And the, the goal on these trips really was to make good time on the flowage mm. and, the, and the lazy part. You'd paddle through Park Falls, Wisconsin, where they had a paper mill and yeah. always smelled funny to those of us <laughs> who didn't live in a paper mill town. Uh, so there was a little bit of fascination there, but we'd quickly move on. And it was a very uh, quiet, peaceful uh, obviously unpopulated river, mm. no houses along the way that I could remember, uh, just campsites. Huh. So we were, it was a bit like being in the Boundary Waters minus a town here and there and a, and a few other folks. But the two spots that you were really destined for that you wanted to get to were Beaver Dam and Cedar Rapids. Mm. That's where the main whitewater was. Uh, 
level one, two, two plus. I, you know, when I was uh, 19 years old, I always thought it was the rapids were much bigger than that. I thought it was a three or a four on the scale, but yeah. just looked it up recently, and it, I think Cedar Rapids sits at a two uh, yeah. or a two plus. Anyway, it was a great, exciting uh, experience to get to that whitewater and to uh, um, the, the objective was to make good time so that you could spend three to four days at Cedar Rapids. Mm. So that was the ultimate destination of luxury camping. Right. So if you didn't make good time, you'd have to spend maybe one night and rush through and not really enjoy the place. Mm. But having a day to unwind, unpack everything, just stay put. And one of the things we do is we teach the, the campers uh, how to how to navigate uh, whitewater going against the current. Oh. Teach them how to paddle from the base of the rapids up to the up to the top. Um, and it was really kind of exciting because there were lots of points where the canoe spilled and they'd have to uh, de-swamp it and oh. try again. And most of the time you could teach all of the all of the kids, all the campers how to do it. How yeah. to how to make their way, find a little eddy behind a rock to rest and wait and regain a little bit of energy. And then there's a peel out move that you would make to get into the rapids and then uh, lots of tricks about keeping keeping the canoe straight hmm. and balanced. And what to do if the canoe became unbalanced. So lots of fun things. Yeah. But, you know, this story does not center on canoeing. It really centers on bears. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Right? I, so yeah, this right. It, bears were really the reason that uh, I got called on this trip. Yeah. Uh, so... Anyway, we, we were warned about bears. There had been lots of bears in this area uh, during the summer of 1985, at least. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the DNR was very much aware of it, mm -hmm. and they were cautioning campers not to leave food out and, and so forth. Right. So here's what happened. We, um, we figured out a way to string our pack up uh, in the trees, Mm -hmm. um, we had it suspended, triangulated between three trees. We thought it was brilliant. And it was really pretty high. I don't know, can't tell you how high, but it was well off the ground. But here's one thing I learned about uh, bears. Height really is irrelevant. <laughs> Unless, of course, you're, you're leaving your pack suspended three feet off the ground. Right, right. So height is uh, irrelevant. What, what do you think is most important? Hmm. I'm gonna go with uh, the, like I, I guess the, the reach from a tree or something the, like that. Like it can't wing, be too the wingspan. Yeah, the, like it can't be too close to a tree. You know, exactly. They'll just clamber up that thing. Right. So we we thought we were pretty smart. We had this thing triangulated between three trees, um, rope pretty well, double packed, which was kind of standard, and um, so. We left the pack, went to bed, woke up the next morning to uh, all of our campers screaming and hollering. <laughs> I was still asleep, and I knew exactly what had happened. Oh, no. 
the bear had gotten the pack. And it was just within reach. You could almost recreate the scene yeah. of him reaching out and maybe hooking it with two of his claws. Yeah, it, a toenail it, or two. Yeah, because <laughs> there was a small, a small rip, and then he was able to uh, tear open the first pack, and the, and the inside pack fell to the ground. Oh, no. So there I learned something else that really rope up, figure out a way to rope up both packs. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, just ripping that first one allows the real pack to fall oh, fall okay. out so via an instant Christmas present. It has like a little pinata for the bear. So anything that wasn't eaten that was in that pack was covered in slobber. Oh, delicious. Delicious bear slobber. So it was not a pretty sight. I had never experienced anything like that, didn't know what to do. Uh, we were fortunate to have a visit from the DNR. Uh, that morning, I believe, I, I think it was just by coincidence that they came by. Yeah. And they were kind enough to buy us food. Um, it was great because it wasn't freeze-dried. It was hamburger and uh, baked potatoes, which we we got to cook over an open fire. So we ate. Sounds delicious. We ended up <laughs> eating really well those three or four days at Cedar Rapids. Uh, had plenty of food. That was good. But the challenge was the next night, what to do. Right. So we weren't going to put the pack in the same spot. We weren't going to put it in the bear, same area. Certainly knew that the bear would be back again looking for more. Well, now you got hamburger and baked potatoes. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really they, coming for They it. are creatures, creatures of habit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at Cedar Rapids, there's an island in the middle of the flambeau. And it's a you know, decent size island, and it helps create additional white water on either side of the island, okay. which makes it a, a nice feature of the area. And on the other side of the river, I believe it was the, uh, the west side, there was, we noticed a tree, a very large tree that had a um, pretty significant lean to it. Mm. So we climbed the tree, tied a rope, way out on the lean and suspended the pack 15, 20 feet below the tree, mm. but 30 feet above the ground. Foolproof. Yeah. Foolproof plan. Yep. So I'll, I'll tell you ahead of time, the bear did not get that pack. That's good. We, so. lear- we learned from the first experience. Yeah. And this was a pretty big bear, well-known by the DNR. It was a, uh, a female. Yeah. I want to say 600 pounds. Everybody tells me that's ridiculous. Uh, she was probably 350, 400. So here was our plan to foil the bear. <laughs> the bear was Sorry. expecting all of us to be on the east side of the river, up on the, up on the cliff where mm-hmm. we'd been the night before. And bears will often uh, hide out in a camp area and, and scope out the uh, the people in that area. Mm. They'll scope out where the food is. They'll oh, scope out where the garbage is. Crafty buggers. And I'll tell a story again sometime later where I know this to be true because I actually witnessed the bear doing this. <laughs> <laughs> just, just watching from afar, pondering. Yeah. Hmm. So I, I have this strange life with many bear encounters and uh, luckily no injuries. That's good. From those bears. But in any event, we uh, 
we tricked the bear into, you know, thinking that we were there, but we were not there. Yeah. And we moved everything and, and our tents and the camper, everything, and slept on the island. And myself and the other river guide slept outside that night because mm. we wanted to be present and aware if, should that bear come across the river, across the island, and try to get to the other side, we'd be awake and we'd try to avert her and distract her and keep her from our pack of food, right. our pack of hamburger. <laughs> yeah, the coveted hamburger. So we went to bed that night, uh, tied the sleeping bag tight over my head, slept on the ground uh, with, with the other guide. All the kids were in the tents, um, safe and snug. That was another thing, was just to protect them, be the first line of defense. Yeah, be the first snack. I remember uh, um, attaching a, a sheathed knife to my belt as I got into my sleeping bag. <laughs> I, I think I slept in my, my jeans and T-shirt and mm-hmm. probably not my boots, but uh, I was ready for action. You were combat ready. Combat ready. <coughs> Went to sleep despite... 8,000 or 8 million mosquitoes buzzing around my head. Yeah. And the next thing I know or noticed was uh, the other guide screaming at the top of his lungs. And this guy had a deep, so screaming, not shrieking in a high pitch, but a deep baritone voice. It was a howl. And this is one of the, one of the basic tricks of bear defense. Not to threaten them, not to ever throw an object at them like a rock or a burning log, but to make a lot of noise. Yeah. Pots and pans clanging, yell loud. So I heard, get out of here at about 65 decibels, I think. <laughs> Woke me up instantly. I opened the... Uh, the uh, the head of my bag, the the tie strap or whatever, mm-hmm. and I notice instantly this very bad odor. Oh no! And I had a sense that things were not right, and I moved horizontally out of my bag quicker than I think I've ever done in my life. And I stood up, and there in front of me was the mama bear. Oh, no. And we chased her off, and she sort of slunked away, just kind of, you know, feeling a little sad that we didn't welcome her. <laughs> With some nice hamburger. I, I still, yeah, I still remember the look on her face. She sort of walked away slowly, looking back over her shoulder at us. Um, Aww. We heard her climb up the other tree. And, of course, we got across the river and made lots of noise and distracted her. She didn't have a chance at that pack yeah but um nevertheless we got her to move on and go find somebody else to to deal with to scavenge from him leave us leave us alone so we go back to the scene of the crime uh if you will at the uh the center of the island and the river guide the other guy asked me okay steve tell me where were you where were you where were you I, and I pointed to the ground. I said, right here. He said, that bear was standing over you. Oh, no. All four legs straddling, sniffing your head. Oh, no. 
No. <laughs> and that was that was the terrible smell that I smelled. Bears smell awful. Yeah. Of course they don't they don't shower quite as often as you and I do. Uh, they don't go to the spa and get the full treatment. Yeah. Um, they're they're pretty stinky. <laughs> There's some. Yeah. And uh, I still have a memory. Uh, you know, it was dark. It was two in the morning, likely. I still have a memory of the inside of that bear's snout. Oh, my gosh. Because I did get a glimpse of that as I opened my sleeping bag. And I think that's really what propelled me laterally out of that bag. Yeah. In some kind of supernatural fashion. Yeah. Because I, I can't really explain how I moved and I, how I was able to get out of that position without touching the bear. It reminds me, you know what, it reminds me a little bit of that game Operation. Did oh, you ever yeah. play that as a kid? Oh, yeah, all the time. Very difficult. So mm-hmm. to to pick something up without touching the sides, Yeah. Um, to move out of that position in a straight line without uh, flinching or, uh, you know, brushing up against the bear. Who knows what she would have done right. if I had touched right. her. But in any event, she probably just wanted all, a hug. <laughs> all was all was well, and I learned, I learned to respect bears as a result of that. Sure, I bet. So at some point in the future, we will, I will tell another bear story where that uh, respect really played a key role. It it came into play. Um, had I not had that experience, I may have not fared as well in the uh, the future experience. I, it wasn't the second, maybe the third or fourth encounter. How many bear encounters have you had I, in your I life? Th- I think about four. About four? Yeah. Like up and close bear Clo- encounters? Close enough. Close, close, en- enough. close enough, yeah. yeah. And and me not being in a in a hunting position, right. certainly. Just right. a, uh, a casual uh, weekend camper, hiker, etc. Yeah. But... Um, in any event, bears are not so bad as long as you respect them. And we're, we're talking about black bears here, too, right? Yes. These were all uh, black or brown, um, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin bears. Um, so no, no grizzlies know, no, or anything. No grizzlies. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to make up grandiose stories about some heroism, how I fought a grizzly and won. Right. Right. I was no, going to say, I don't know. None of that. No. Nope. Kodiaks or right, right, polar or anything. No, too dangerous. Yeah, those those things are. Uh, it's kind of a different ball game because black bears and and you know brown bears. The bears around here they're menacing and they need to be respected because they're dangerous. But you know grizzly bears honestly just terrify me. They're well, it's like it's like anything, Jack. The more you know, uh, the better prepared you can be. The better prepared you are, uh, the better chance you have at a good outcome. This so. this being survival in this situation, <laughs> yes. the The goal in this situation was not to get a uh, e discovery project done on time. It was to uh, come out alive. Yes, correct. Yeah. And with that hamburger intact too, because that's the oh, important part. Yeah. Well, that uh, that hamburger was key. It, yeah, yeah. I don't doubt it. I don't yeah. doubt it. Well, that's awesome. That's a. I'm I'm excited to hear more bear stories because you know typically. Everyone in Minnesota who enjoys being out in the wilderness and being in sort of a wild setting maybe has one bear story, maybe, but it sounds like you have four. 
so that I I just I'm excited to hear those other bear stories because maybe you just attract them. I don't know what it is. They just they just like you. It could that could be could be it's, uh, your it's cologne to, or something. It's hard to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you're you're being too kind, Jack. I think. Oh, I'm no. not sure bears are attracted to. Uh, well, they do like they do like sweet smell. That's true. We know that, right? We do know that was yeah. surprising. Yeah, hunters hunters will bait bears with things like gummy worms and licorice. It makes me so sad because you think about it. Why couldn't it be like a you know a big chunk of meat? It's got to be you know, the gummy worms and the the little sweets. Well, it it is, and it's a uh, you know maybe a distinct thing that doesn't attract every. Uh, creature. Mm, that's probably so, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Although actually. the I think the coyotes uh, are attracted to the sweets as well. Really? So if if you're if you're uh, you're you're going to have to uh, monitor them so that they don't they don't destroy your um, uh, what's the word bait. Yeah, so they don't destroy your bait. There we go. Oh, I I just I I still you know you think of these ferocious animals and you go, hmm, what can I use to draw these guys out? How about some licorice and gummy worms? <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, yeah, crazy well, maple syrup, ma- <laughs> trail trail mix. Yep. And of course, we're not talking about small quantities. Buy that stuff in a cute little package in a bow from William Sonoma. Yeah. It's uh, they you buy it in bulk, usually big boxes, fifty-five gallon drums. That's it's crazy. It's incredible because we have a couple of friends who have a garage with that bait supply, those bait supplies in it, and you know they're they are literal barrels of candy. And yeah. you think, oh my gosh, I, this and is you, kind of exciting. Well, those you, are for the bears. Don't touch that. You why? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's not, I don't think it's uh, human grade candy. It's not stuff you'd want to pass out at Halloween, but uh, you walk into a garage like that and you feel like the sugar dripping from the ceiling. Oh gosh! It's just—it's just a heavy scent, yeah. sugary scent. It's just thick and You're like my teeth yeah. hurt. I mean, it's—it's <laughs> it's good for a second and then it's just too much. Right, right. Yeah. It's just—that's—that's. So. That's, I will always find that comedic. The, yeah. The the baiting strategy for that, but. Well, that's it for our time today. We thank you very much for joining us. I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed the story. We appreciate your uh, loyal listening. Mm-hmm. And we want to leave you with the thought that uh, we want want to make sure that you let the people around you know that they matter. So thanks for being with us at eDiscovery Base Camp. Have a very good week. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. It's Great. done. It's done now. Oh, phew. Thank you. I, that almost killed us. All right. That almost did us in. We're doing so well. So well. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the eDiscovery Basecamp. If you have any questions, comments, or want us to cover a certain topic, email us at info at We'll see you next week.